0: This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Nathan. I'm the lead pastor of LifeGate Church. We're going to pray and then we're going to dive into the word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the God that speaks to us, who has spoken, and continues to speak to us. And Father, as we come to your word now, Father, we ask that you speak and that we will grab your truth and apply it to our lives. Father, as I speak, help me to remember what I prepared and proclaim this message in the way you want me to. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, it was on the 25th of May when George Floyd was tragically killed, which sparked mass protests. As I reflect and I look at the events, I just think they're just, it's just tragic. The way George Floyd was killed and then the riots that happened after that were just awful. And then the fact that a people group would feel so oppressed that they felt they need to protest. They felt the need to protest. I mean, that is again, just really, really sad. And as I look at those events in the US and as I look around the world, I ask myself this question, is unity really possible? Now, when I say unity, I'm not talking that everybody would speak the same, act the same, where people would lose their culture. No, that would be uniformity. When I say unity, I'm talking about regardless of people's background, regardless of their color, regardless of their race, that, that people would come together to help people be the best that they can be. And I think that is a great Vision for society, where our society's vision is to help every person in that society to be the best that they can be. And if they could do that, well, then I reckon we'd have unity. But I reckon unity is not possible if people are all about themselves, if people are about lifting themselves up, lifting themselves up at the extent of others, if people are deliberate to push others down in order for them to rise up if people are deliberate about being self-centered and ignoring others, well, then I don't think unity is possible. But but what if people were deliberate about helping every person be the best that they could be? What if people were deliberate about being loving and being caring and journeying journeying with those who are struggling? Well, maybe then, maybe then there's a chance. You know, when, when, when we talk about this unity thing, We're not just talking about unity in the world. I want us to talk about unity in God's church. And when I say God's church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the people. That God's people would be unified, for that is God's desire. You know, God's church is full of people of all color, of all backgrounds, people of different education, people of different socioeconomic um, backgrounds, people of all different types from all different places around the globe. God's church is full of them and in one sense we are united because if you're part of God's church it means that you've accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord and if you have accepted him you're a Christian and then being a Christian means you're part of God's body it means you're part of his church so in one sense we are united but then God calls us to live united and if we're, and if, and if we're going to live united if we're going to be a community of believers that are united it means that There is no place for power place. There is no place for lifting up yourself and squashing down another. There's no place for that. There is a place for honouring. There is a place for serving. There is a place for lifting up and helping every person live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus has for their lives. And if we do that, friends, we're going to be a church that is unified, living the life that Jesus wants to live, helping every person be the best that they can be living in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus has for their life, and that is a picture of a unified church. That is the church that I want to be part of, and that is the church that I want LifeGate to be, a church that is unified, where every person is encouraged, is helped to live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus has for their lives. This morning, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Now, earlier in the year, We spent time looking at Ephesians chapter 1 through to chapter 3, and if you haven't heard that, I encourage you to go back to our website, to our podcast, and you can hear our messages on Ephesians chapter 1 through 3. We're going to start from Ephesians chapter 4 and go to the end, and what we see, that in Ephesians chapter 4 in the first 16 verses, the writer, the apostle Paul, teaches the church how to be unified. As we look back at Ephesians chapter 1, chapter through to chapter 3, we see that his whole message is aimed at the Jews and the Gentiles. And he says to them that, that our God has done a new thing, that our God has done a new work, that it's through Jesus that now both Jews and Gentiles can have access to God. Now the Jews were God's chosen people. They were the descendants of Abraham. And God gave him his law. He told them how he wanted them to live. He told them how he wanted them to respond to him. Then we have the Gentiles, which is every other people group on the earth. And this people group, some of them chose to worship as Jews. There was a place in the Jewish temple where they could come. It was called the Court of the Gentiles, where they could worship in the way that God wanted. But that was only a small amount. The vast majority weren't interested in that. And some never even heard about that. The uh, Gentiles worshipped other gods and had wicked ways of living. And God said to the Jews, because of that, because of their other gods, because of the ways that they were living, I don't want you to associate, I do not want you to marry into that group because God was concerned that his people, the Jews, who he's just told how he wants them to live, may get influenced by worshipping other gods and getting involved in the way the Gentiles were living. So God said, don't marry them. And as a result, there became this big wall of hostility. There became this gap between the Jews and the Gentiles. It was definitely a case of us and them, where they didn't associate with each other and there was actually a hatred and discord for each other. But then, as I said, God does a new thing. He sends his son Jesus to die on a cross to make a way for both the Jews and the Gentiles to come to faith to come to saving faith, where they can have relationship with God and eternal life. It's as the Jews and the Gentiles, all the people groups on the planet, put their trust in Jesus, they then become a child of God. They become part of His body, the body of Christ. They become part of the church. It is a wonderful picture. And this is what we read in Ephesians chapter 2. It says in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus... You who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the the, the, the dividing wall of hostility. Now it's through Jesus that the Jews and the Gentiles can have relationship with God. As we go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it talks about they are uh, spiritual blessings that the Jews and the Gentiles now have in Christ Jesus. It talks about their past. It talks about their present. It talks about the future. And then it talks about what it means for the Jews and Gentiles to be united in Christ. And then we hit verse 4, which talks about how to live united. Now, this, this, this passage has got 16 verses in it. And there's too much to cover in one message. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to bring the first six verses today and then the next 11 verses next week in the next part of this message. I want to break it up. I've just said to you that the uh, Jews and Gentiles are now united in Christ. That's those who have committed their life to Jesus. It wasn't all of them. It was only the ones who committed their life to Jesus. They are you're now united in Christ. And then, Paul's, and then Paul tells them how to live united because there's a big difference between being united and living united. You know, in uh, July 2004, I uh, walked down the aisle with my wife, Michelle, and, and we got married. And on that day, we made a covenant between, between us and God, between the people that were there. We, uh, we had a legal agreement with the government that we were married, that we had become unified, unified to become one. We became one flesh, that we were unified. And then it's about living a life that is unified. And as a pastor, I've seen many marriages where people are unified under God, that they're married by law, but they live totally separate lives. And that's the difference between being unified and living unified. See, God just doesn't want us to be, be unified and live separate lives in marriage. He wants us to communicate and and, and work out life together and make decisions together and get on the same path and live this life together. And that is about living unified. There's a big difference between being unified and living unified. And Paul says in Ephesians 1 to 3 that in Christ, the Jews and the Gentiles, those that have put their trust in him now are unified. And then Ephesians 4, these first 16 verses of which we're going to look at 6 today, he says, now this is how what you do live. Unified. And as, he, as we look at this text, the first thing you're going to see as we read it in verse 1, he tells, them, he tells his readers to live a life worthy of the calling that they've received. The second thing he says, he gives them actions for unity. And the third thing, he tells them the things that unify them. As we read this text, look for these three things. So let's read it from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. This is what he says. As a prisoner for the Lord then... I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then in verse 4, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let's now go back to verse one and pull this text apart, where Paul's first point is to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. Paul writes, as a prisoner for the Lord, he's writing from a prison, maybe Rome or Caesarea, he's writing from a prison. And he says the same thing back in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, I urge you, I beg you, I plead with you, people that are reading this letter, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Back on the 14th of June, 60 Minutes, did a whole program on the Victorian Labor Party. And they alleged that there was some really dodgy things going on. There was branch stacking. There was inappropriate use of taxpayers' money. And they have recordings, allegedly recordings of this gentleman using inappropriate language about people within his own party. Well, the next day, the Victorian Premier stood up and said, he's now fired, he's now done. I I want him out of the party. And this news about what happened spread around the whole country because it was a really big deal. Because a member of parliament, someone who has been given the trust of the people, someone who's been voted in by the people, who's been given a calling in life to represent the people, to live a life above reproach, to live a life following the laws, setting the example for the rest of us in how we're to live, this, this gentleman allegedly had done the wrong thing and it was pretty bad, allegedly pretty bad. And the reason I share this, analogy with you is just like a member of parliament is called to live in a certain way because of they've been put there by the people, we as Christians have a calling to live in a certain way because of who we are now in Christ, the calling that God has put on our life because of the, of the new identity. And as we look back to Ephesians chapter 1 through chapter 3, it tells us our calling, our new identity, and this is how it's described. He says in, in verse 3 that we are blessed. Because of what Christ has done for us, he writes to the Jews and the Gentiles who have put their trust in Jesus that you are now blessed and that is us who live here today who are Christians. And if you're listening to this and you're a Christian, this is your new identity. This is now your calling in Christ. He says that you are blessed, that you are chosen, that you are holy and blameless in God's sight, that you are loved, that you are adopted, that you are redeemed. means to be bought back. Jesus paid the price For you, it means that you are forgiven, that you are marked with the Holy Spirit. It means that you are alive with Christ, that you are seated in heavenly places. You are saved from death. You are saved from God's wrath and you are now God's masterpiece. That is your new identity. That is who you are now in Christ if you are a Christian and you're listening to this. And because of that, Paul writes, if you're a Christian, to live a life worthy of your calling. Live a life worthy of who you are, which means use your new identity as a springboard to launch you to live a life where you're obedient to God, where you live a life where you honour Him, where you follow Jesus, you follow the way He lived, you follow His teachings, you live a life for Him. Use who you are and this calling as a platform in which to live your life Living a life that honours the Lord Jesus. I live a life that honours the Lord Jesus. And in this passage, Paul then tells us what this life looks like. And the very first thing he talks about is actions for unity. This life that I want you to live, one part of it is to be unified with your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what he says in verse 2. Now remember... He's writing to the Jews and the Gentiles who have got a vastly different past, different language groups, different cultural perspectives, different emphasis, different um, passions, yet now unified in Christ. And these people groups of different colors, of languages, of passions, of cultures, they're now called to live together and be together in God's community. And he says, this is how I want you to live. Verse 2, he says, Be completely humble. Humble is about not pushing yourself ahead, not making it all about you, but rather lifting others up. He says, be gentle. Be a calm and kind and safe person. The revised standard version of the Bible uses the word be meek. And meek simply means strength under control. And if you're gentle, you're not pushing others to be like you. You're not pushing others to think like you. You are loving people and gently encouraging people to live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus has for their lives. He says, be patient. I definitely need more of that. And then bearing with one another in love. Now, to bearing one another in love means to walk with someone who's having a difficult time, to go the journey with them when they're struggling. You know, I wonder if you can think of someone like that. As I read this second verse, I'm reminded of a a young guy I grew up with named Jason. I went to primary school with him, and then he went to a selective school. And yet, through our high school years, we used to hang out together in the school holidays because he was just a really great guy. When I think about Jason, he was super smart, and yet he didn't tell me how smart he was and how much smarter than he was than me. He never yelled at me or abused abused me. He was gentle. He was patient with me. And he he was also there for me when my other friends let me down, when my other friends hurt me. He's the one that made the phone call and made the contact. No wonder I wanted to hang out with Jason in the school holidays because of the person that he was. And as I read this text in verse 2, it also reminds me of what Jesus said about himself in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that reminds me of the, the verse where, where Paul writes, Bear with one another. Go on the journey with people when they're struggling. And Jesus says he'll do that for us. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. There it is. He says, I am humble in heart, and you will find rest for your For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, if you're struggling, Jesus is a person that you can go to. He's gentle with you. He's kind with you. He wants to walk with you. I encourage you to go to him and he will help you in the journey. And going back to this text, the things that, um, going back to this text here in Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 3, Paul writes, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, what does that mean? Well, firstly, we are unified as Christians because Each one of us has the Holy Spirit in us. Earlier in chapter 1 of Ephesians, it says we're marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So we all have the Spirit. But then we're all called to follow the leading of the Spirit, which is the teachings that Jesus gave us in the Bible, and the promise of the Spirit where we are called to follow his leading. And as we all do that, we'll be unified. And this idea of the bond of peace is the peace that God has given us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, Here are things that Paul wants us to focus on, things that are going to help us be unified. And then the final thing that we see here in this text is Paul writes about the things that unify us. He writes this. He says, There is one body, that is the church, the body of Christ, that every believer is a part of. There is one spirit who is the Holy Spirit, just as we were called to one hope, hope of eternity when we were called. There is one Lord, Jesus Christ. There is one Lord. There is one faith. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is only one way to the Father, and it's through me. There is one faith in God. There is one baptism, baptism in immersion, where you go under and you come out like Christ, just as he died and was buried and came alive, so are we in baptism. Our old life is gone, and, and, and we begin that new life. There is one God and Father of all. Now, you've got to notice what all is here. I don't believe Paul is saying all of creation, all of humanity, because the context is the people who are Jews and Gentiles who have come to faith in Christ. He's talking to them. He's talking about the church, that there is one God and Father over all the church, who is over all. He has authority over, who is working through them and is in. in? He's working through them and he's in them by his spirit. You know, there are so many things in a church community that can can divide us. But Paul talks about here the things that unify us, that, 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 that hold us together. And it's so easy to get focused on the things that pull us apart, where Paul wants us to focus on the things that hold us together. And there are heaps of them there. Focus on the things that unify us. Don't focus on the things that divide us. You know, I started this message by asking the question, is unity really possible? And as I look at the world, and if people are all about themselves at the extent of others, if people are willing to push down others in order for them to get ahead, well, friends, unity is never possible. But if people are intentional about helping each person be their very best, well, maybe, maybe there is a way forward in the world. And how much more Is is unity important in God's church? How much more should the church of God be unified? You know, in one sense, the church is unified because we are all in Jesus Christ. That every person who belongs to God's church, no matter their, their color, no matter their race, their background, their education, their financial situation, all of that doesn't matter because in Christ Jesus, we are one. He has unified us. We are one body. But then we're called to live a life where we're one. And in this passage, Paul tells us, number one, to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. He gives us actions for unity about being humble and gentle and patient and helping people along when they're finding it difficult. It talks about keeping the unity of the Spirit, following the promptings and the leadings of the Spirit. These are the things that unify us informally. And finally... He tells us the things that unify us. And there are many things that we can focus on that, that, that are create separation. But Paul says, let's focus on the things that unify us so that we will be a unified church. You know, a, a, a unified church is one where people are humble and gentle, where we work out what are the most important things, and Paul gives us a list of what they are and where each one of us is not self-centered, where each one of us is not about power and lifting ourselves up and pushing each other down, but rather we come together as as a body of believers, and each one does our bit to help people live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus has for their lives. Friends, this is God's picture for His church. We are unified in Christ, and we're called to live unified. And when every person is deliberate and says, I'm going to play my part in helping people live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus has for their life, friends, that is a picture of a unified church. That is a picture of a church that I want to be part of and a picture of the church that I want to lead. I want LifeGate Church to be a church like this. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that it's in Jesus that we are one, no matter our background, our color, our race, that when people come to Jesus, that we are saved and we become part of his body, the church. Father, I pray that we would live like that. We would live unified, that we will be deliberate to live in the way you want us to live, that we would see what you've done in our lives, and that would be a motivator for us to live in a way that's obedient to you. Father, that we would be people who are gentle, that we would be people who are humble, that we would be people that walk the journey with people and help them when they're struggling. God, that we would focus on the things that unify us and that each one of us will be deliberate in helping people live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus has for their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us encourage you to come back and hear the second part of Ephesians chapter 4 as we look more about how we can be a unified church. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers.